Good morning, church family. My name is Derek. It's my privilege to be the lead pastor at Faith Church. Good morning. Good to see you. You can be excited. You can talk. You can answer my questions. We can be thrilled to be here worshiping Jesus together. Um, before I get going, a couple things I, I just thought of that I, wanna, that I want us to know. Uh, number one, all of us kids, 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 and adult kids, aren't we thankful for Mrs. Davies? Um, we, we love being a multi-generational church. We love being a family. We love all ages interacting with each other. We love recognizing the importance of uh, those of us that have been following Jesus, investing in the next generation of those who are following Jesus, don't we? And so whether kids, whether you are here in person or whether you're joining us from home online, you know, that's why we value and incorporate uh, Mrs. Davies. Until we can be meeting again more in person, it's great to have her as part of our worship gatherings. And so, um, so plus, I know us big kids get something out of it too, don't we? <laughs> um, and then number two, real quick, I wanted to say this. Um, it's great to see all of your faces here in person. It's great to have all of you join us online as well. We know that many, many continue to join us uh, via Faith Church online, and we are you are welcome to do that. We are thankful that you have a place where you can join us. Uh, completely understandable for those that are not able to join us in person yet. Um, however, I do know this morning or this week, a few of you may have experienced trying to register to be here in person and you were not able to do so. And uh, we have not been bumping up against that problem very much, but we do have a limit to the number of people that can join us in person. So if you're out there in Faith Online, joining us online, and you had tried to register but could not come and join us in person because the spots were full, it would really help us if you would let us know that. Uh, you can comment below on Facebook or on YouTube, or you can send the church office an email, info, at faithchurchdallas.org. We would love to know if you tried to register but could not, and the reason we'd love to know is that will help us plan uh, for coming Sundays and make sure that we have enough space. Um, while we will continue to have this certain limited number at one time, we have a couple of other ways we can get creative and figure out a way to include more of you here in person if you would like to do that. So, make sense? All right, thanks for bearing with me on those things. Um, as we get started here, we're going to, of course, get into God's Word in a moment, but uh, I want to ask you this question, and, and I love when God works things together, you know, and He always does this. In our worship gatherings, we, we work hard to plan the things that happen on Sunday mornings, but God does so many things that we don't plan, and I just feel like there's things that Pastor Matt prayed, and that Michael prayed, and that Debbie talked about, that... That are, that are no coincidence, that God is weaving together with where we're going this morning in his word. And so uh, we've already talked this morning about the swirling circumstances around you and some of the different difficulties in our lives, our personal lives, the life of our church, the life of our community and, and region and nation. So let me ask you a question this morning. As you come this morning and you join us, are you feeling rock solid has life just created a sense of inspiration and steadiness and stability? Are you, are you feeling rock solid? I'm not, I'm not getting a real enthusiastic response, which, which means, and I re resonate with that, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that, 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 that make us feel far from rock solid. 
You know, in some ways, as we came to this morning, I was excited to be here, and I am. I was excited to be here. I've gotten to, I've missed you a couple of weekends in a row. My family enjoyed opportunity to get away, to spend time in God's creation, to have time as a family, and that was great, but I'm excited to get back here with you as well. I'm excited because we're launching a new teaching series today, because it's the new fall launch, it's a new school year, right? There's things to be excited about and things that God is doing. We're going to start a three-week series today called Follow Me. We're going to spend these three Sundays in September asking Jesus, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? Asking God to show us different aspects of what a disciple is. What, What is a follower of Jesus? So I was excited about being here, and yet I'm also experiencing things that many of you are experiencing, and And at minimum, perhaps this week you're feeling like me, distracted, dismayed, heavy-hearted, or worse, we could be be feeling shaken or hurting as a result of circumstances in our individual lives and in the life of our community and our nation. So let's see what God has to say to help us this morning. This is where we always want to look. We want to look to our great God via his studying his word. So open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you would. Love you to have your Bibles with you. If you're here in person, if you're sitting on your couch at home, would you pull out your Bible and turn with us to Matthew chapter 7? And in a moment, I'll start reading at verse 24. Um, So pull out your Bible or your your device with your Bible app and, and, and get Matthew chapter 7 so that you can follow along with us and so that we can really hear from God's word um, together. So as you turn there, let me pray. Father, as always, we need you. Father, we need you today more than ever, today and always. So God, we, we come to you, not just today on Sunday mornings as we gather together, but Lord, help us to come to you each day, to sit at your feet, to lift our eyes to you, to hear what you have to say. And may that include the next few minutes as we open your word. God, teach us, shape us, mold us so that we can live for you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I start reading the passage, again, we come into this day perhaps with mixed feelings about where we're doing and how steady or stable we're feeling. Our are our lives based on things that are solid? And there's ways in which 2020 has already felt like things were metaphorically on fire. And so then how much more startling is it when things around us are literally on fire? And, and, and not just the fires, but these other things that have been mentioned this morning that are difficult in our lives and in our nation and in our region. So where do we go in those times? Where do we turn? And I know deep down some of you know the Bible answer. And I know some of you Christians know the the church answer and you could blurt out where we should turn in these times. Yeah, okay. But, But do we, right? What else grabs our attention? Where do we turn? What do we hold on to? Where do we look for stability? Where do we look for hope for the future and, 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 and something that will bring things to, an, in a, to a more orderly fashion in our circumstances? Do we look to other things 
Or do we look and recognize who is holding us? How many options do we have out there? We have so many options of things we could turn to, things we could base our life on. If, if you and I are honest with each other right now before the Lord, there are other things besides him that we turn to, that we look to, that we, that we have expectations for, that we think will make things better. What are those things? Let God reveal those to your heart right now. There are so many things we could and do base our lives on, but of course, where are we going this morning? But of course, where we're going is that there is one foundation who is rock solid. Let's read his word. Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus speaking and sharing this parable, a story meant to teach, a story meant to inform them. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. What are we depending on? Who are we turning to? Are we depending on our own efforts? Our own merits, our own behavior, a checklist religion of I did this, I did this, I'm a good person, I went to church, I read my Bible a couple times in the last year? Is it checklist depending on our own efforts or merits and, that, and that's what makes us feel steady or unsteady in the world? Do we find our stability in our life? Do we found firm ground to stand on in our life from our politics? from our side of the aisle, from a certain candidate? Do we find our stability from who wins an election or who loses? Or are those things actually creating more unsteadiness in our hearts and in our minds? Does material wealth, does accumulating things and pursuing, and pursuing a, you know, a raise or pursuing a promotion or climbing the corporate ladder, does, does gaining wealth, does that bring about security in our lives? Is that what we're looking for in order to feel like things are rock solid? Or do those things only bring about the illusion of stability? Do we have expectations? Do you or I have expectations of other human beings around us for what will make our lives better? Do we have needs that we want to be met by the imperfect people in our lives? Do we have expectations of finding stability in the way we interact with those we're in relationship with? Or, and here's where I saw God weave a thread earlier this morning that we did not plan. 
Do we look for steadiness in human relationships? Do we look to have our needs met through our human relationships? Or do we look to our great God who is perfect and, Miss Davies said, unchanging? Or do, we look to, or do we look to our rescuer, Jesus, who that verse on the screen already told us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? In the midst of our lives, in the midst of 2020, whether we're doing it on purpose or whether we're doing it on accident, are we accidentally, are you or I, accidentally or purposefully trying to find rock-solid foundation in things that are shifting sand? What are we looking to? Let's look, look at our passage again. And I want to look at verse 24 and 26, and we're going to see this morning that there's a lot of things in, in Jesus' story that contrast. He gives, he gives things that contrast. But as we look at verses 24 and 26 again, I'm looking this time for something that's the same as we start. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. There's things there that are contrasting and different in each example, right? But both people built their house. The houses may have looked the same. They may have even used the same building process to assemble the house to construct the house. And similarly, we might suggest that you and I may look similar, we look okay, we look the same on the outside. But that doesn't indicate what our foundation is. The houses may look the same, they may have been built the same, but the contrast, of course, in today's story is the foundation. There's a, a couple of contrasts are this. The contrast we've already seen between a wise man and a foolish man, between who's a smart builder and a dumb builder. We've seen this contrast then correspondingly to building on the rock or building on sand. Verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And, and I, I would think it's not hard for us to relate to this passage. I think there's things that we can relate to in the everyday sense that are true of Jesus' story. But then perhaps what we don't think about as much is things that are true about this story in the, in the eternal sense. There are things in this, in this picture of a storm, of floods, of, of rain, of winds, that in an everyday sense, you and I probably resonate with that. The storms of life, the difficulties, the hardships, the, the downs of the roller coaster in all that we go through as part of our earthly life. So there's definitely an everyday sense in which this represents what we're up against in life and what's going to bring a challenge to what our foundation is. But there's also an eternal sense, not just an everyday sense that we experience difficulties and hardships. There's an eternal sense that in the future, Jesus will return and God will judge all people. There is impending judgment that we will be held accountable. 
And, and, and that judgment will ask the question of what the foundation is, what our lives are based on, and whether that's rock solid to withstand that judgment. So this rain falls and floods come and the winds blew. But of course, in the first example, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. One of the commentators I was studying this week, you know, this is sort of stating the obvious, but as I studied this week, one of the, the, the commentators wrote that Jesus sees himself, his teaching, Jesus sees himself and associations with him, relationship with him, as being what? The rock. The rock-solid foundation. The only rock-solid foundation. Jesus sees himself and association with him, being in relationship with him, being um, in Christ as that's what the rock is. 1 Corinthians 3.11 uh, 3, says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So then the thing that we want to ask God to help us with this morning is those ancient builders building houses in this region where Jesus was teaching. Those ancient builders dealt with a lot of sand. And they needed to, they could construct the house and cross their fingers and hope for the best, or they could dig beneath the surface of the sand to the bedrock and attach the home to a rock-solid foundation. So that, was what we, that's what, that, that is metaphorically what we need to ask God to help us with today and in our lives, is how do we get below the surface sands and to base our lives on, on bedrock, on a rock-solid foundation, on something that matters and on something that will help us to withstand anything and everything that life brings. The wise person in the story represents those who put Jesus' words into practice. That's what we're going to get to here in a moment. That's what this Jesus' story goes on to explain is that, that the wise person in this story is, is representing people who put Jesus' words, what he says, what he commands, people that listen to those and do them, who put them into practice. And those are the people that are building on a rock-solid foundation that will withstand anything. Verse 27. So again, now we have the second example, the second person, the foolish person, and again, the, 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 the things of the of life, the difficulties, the hardships, the ups and downs, the storms come. And this rain fell, verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. So here we have another contrast. Another contrast in this, in this story that Jesus is telling is obviously between the person whose house did not fall and, and the one who who built a house that great was the fall of it. And, and here's another contrast we didn't yet cover. Well, we did a little bit. There's a contrast in this story of Jesus's of, of hearing the words of Jesus and doing them and putting them into practice, contrasted with someone who does not do them. Obedience matters. Jesus' parable is, is spurring his people to recognize that obedience matters. 
that life changed by Jesus results in increasing obedience and submission to him and his word. In, uh, James, in the, in the book of James in our Bible, we see it this way. James urges us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And, and, I'll, and, and I know it's not on the screen, but I'll read the few, a couple more verses. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, and so deceive yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. He looks at himself and then he goes away and at once forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, into God's law, the law of liberty, and the one that perseveres in, in, in being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who, who acts, who does, who puts it into play, he will be blessed in his doing. So, so something that, that Jesus' story is teaching us this morning is that the evidence of whether a person is truly a follower of Jesus or not, an evidence of whether a person is truly a believer, a follower of Jesus, one of, those, one of the evidences is someone who does what he says. Someone who does, puts into practice, obeys the words of Jesus. Now, ready? Be careful. I always like to clarify here. This is crucially important because I said that the Jesus' story this morning teaches the importance of obedience, that obedience matters, that a life changed by Jesus is results in increasing submission and obedience to Jesus' words. What I noticed that I said, it's an evidence that, that, that doing, that obeying is an evidence of being a believer. I didn't say it's how you become a believer. Checklist religion, following rules, doing certain things, and hoping to get saved is not the way it is. Okay? Notice I said evidence. This isn't how you become a believer. We say all the time around here that the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners, people in rebellion against him, people who have no ability to follow him on their own. The good news of the gospel is that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Your salvation is by the grace of God. It's a gift of God that we receive by faith, by putting our trust in Jesus. That's how we are saved. Did you hear anything about rules or matching up or behavior or being a good person in there? No, we are saved by God's grace alone that we receive that gift of salvation by putting our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Once, once a person is saved, once you are in Christ, once you have truly surrendered your life, I'm not just talking about you know what a Christian is or you think maybe you're a Christian. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus and recognized you can't do it on your own, there's no way you can save yourself. And we've put our trust in Jesus. We've entrusted our lives to him. We've given our lives to him. We've asked him to lead our lives. Once you are a Christian, once you are in Christ, and evidence that you are a true believer, that you are a true Christian, is this increasing obedience. It is this 
is the fact that you will not just hear the words of the Bible, of Jesus. They won't just go in one ear and out the other. You don't just know them because you grew up hearing them. It's Jesus saying, it's those who hear and do, who obey, who put his words into action. That is, that is an evidence that we are truly saved. It's a result. It's not how we are saved, but our obedience is a result of our salvation. When we are rescued, when God offers us his gift of salvation and we receive that gift through faith in Jesus, we, we have been saved. And then we are being transformed. We are being made new from the inside out. God, by his spirit, is making us more and more into the image of Jesus. He's changing us. He's giving us new heart and new mind and new desires and new everything. And part of that is increasing obedience. So again, we have this contrast in this, in this story of Jesus's. Let's, let's look again at verse 27. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. This is the house of the foolish builder who built on the sand. And verse 27 tells us that house fell, and great was the fall of it. One of the commentators, one of the scholars that I read this week as I studied says this about about this topic. Those who pretend to have faith, those who have merely intellectual commitment to Jesus. You know, they've, they understand logically. They've read the word. They know the story. They know that they're, that they're supposed to follow Jesus. These are examples of foolish builders. This commentator writes, those who pretend to have faith or who merely intellectually agree or who enjoy Jesus in small doses are foolish builders. When the storms of life come, their structure, their structure, their, 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 their metaphorical house fools no one. Above all, not God. I, this is a danger. If, if, if we say we are Christian, but we have not given our lives to him as Lord and Master, that's a dangerous, there's dangerous implications. If we believe that, if we think of church family or being part of church as just adding a little bit of Jesus, you know, I got a lot going on in my life. I've got a job and I'm busy and I've got kids and I've got hobbies. And to balance out uh, what I'm going to face in future judgment or to, to, to hopefully get through the life storms a little better, I'm going to add a little bit of Jesus. That's dangerous. That's not true submission to Christ. That's not, that's not evidence of obedience of a true believer. And so I would hate for you or me or anyone that you love and know or those that we don't yet know in our community and in our world to think that's enough to be with God at the end. Jesus' teaching has implications for our everyday lives and our eternity. Jesus' teaching in this passage, this story, whether you've heard it this time for the first time this morning or you've heard this story what you feel like is a million times in your life as a Christian and you think you know what it means to build on the rock, 
Let me just encourage us to take a moment and hear what God has for us this morning and ask him to speak to our hearts because I believe there are implications of, of Jesus' teaching that have implications for us now and today in the everyday earthly life that we face and the storms that we're up against. But even more importantly, I believe this story has implications. I know it has implications for our eternity. Today, those who, in every day, those who build on the rock-solid foundation that is Jesus Christ and his message, those are the truly wise. Those are smart builders. And, and so regardless of swirling circumstances and politics and, and cultural, uh, what's, what's popular right now or what's not popular, what's making me feel steady or unsteady in my life circumstances, with all of that swirling, those who build on Jesus Christ are the wise builders. And, and those, church family, those people, I believe, are those who will experience God's peace and comfort in the middle of all we face. Did I say as followers of Jesus everything would be better? Everything's going to work out? It's just like smelling the roses? No. I didn't say that. But I did say that those whose lives have a foundation that is rock solid in Jesus Christ will experience his presence and his peace and his comfort because he is with you as you go through those things. And there's nowhere else I want to be. There's nowhere else I want you to be as you go through those things. is reliant on him, submitted to him, radically obedient to Jesus, living a life that is based on him and not unchanging, not, not unchanging, shifting sands. And there's implications for eternity. Jesus' story has implications for eternity. His story expects this radical submission, this obedience, because he is exclusively Lord of all. Because he alone is God himself and the one who makes a way to God. He alone is rescuer. And so there's a demand in Jesus' story here that he alone is God and that we are to be radically obedient and, sub and submit to him. And, and the result of that kind of life lived for Jesus, the result of a life that is founded on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, results in obedience and righteousness, not by our own efforts, not because we're great and smart, and we're, but because Jesus is transforming us and making us right before God. And it results in us having life. Life now and life forever in the kingdom of God. The alternative, the alternative to this submission to the Lordship of Christ is a, is a life of rebellion, is a life that is self-centered, and a life that we must face it, that the Bible teaches, results in eternity in the damnation of hell. Not being and not enjoying the presence of God, but the eternal consequences of being out of his presence. 
Okay. Okay, Pastor Derek. I've heard about the rock before. I want to be, I want my life to be built on the solid rock foundation that is Jesus Christ. Okay, Pastor Derek. I recognize that, that I sometimes base my life and I look for security and I find stability in places I shouldn't. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to build my life on the rock. So let's, 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 let's spend just, just a couple more minutes here as we finish. What does getting down to the bedrock look like? What is digging below the surface sands to find the bedrock and to build a life that is on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ? What does that look like for you, church family, and me today, Faith Church, today, 2020, and in the, in the days to come? What does it look like? to build our spiritual lives on the rock. What does radical submission to Jesus look like? Faith Church exists and has existed for many years, and God has used Faith Church for many, many years to point people to the glory of Jesus, to salvation that is found in Jesus alone. Faith Church exists so that you will become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Faith Church exists so that you will become a fully devoted. Faith Church doesn't exist so that you'll come once in a while and say you're a Christian. Faith Church exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Faith Church exists to help me continue to grow each day, to not be satisfied with where I'm at in my spiritual life, but to know that God continues to work in me and reveal sin and show me where I have not obeyed, and where I need him more. Faith Church exists to help people become fully devoted followers who are entrusting ourselves to God, who are being rescued and finding salvation in him, and who are being transformed and being made new from the inside out because of Jesus' work in our life. And Faith Church exists so that you will find that life, life now and life forever. So around here, around here, we have suggestions for you. There's lots of ways that you can get under the sands and find the bedrock to build your life on Jesus. And there's lots of good ways as part of this church family that you can build a spiritual life on the rock. But if we were just going to highlight three, if we were going to not make the list feel overwhelming, if you've been here 30 years or if you just came to Faith Church this week, these are the three things we'd want you to, we'd encourage you toward because we believe they help build a life on the rock. We'd urge you to be committed to attend Sunday worship on Sundays. We'd encourage you, whether it's in person or online, to make Sunday morning worship as a larger church family part of your committed, obedient life to Christ. That's one. Number two, we'd really encourage you to be part of a life group. It's great to gather in larger, in larger groups. It's great to say hi to one another, but we find that it's even better to have a group within the church, whether it's an ABF or a life group, a group within the church where you are not just an, a sort of known face, but you are known, and you have a place where a few others know you and you know them, and where you can experience the ups and downs of life together, and where you can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
So we'd urge you to be committed to attend on Sunday worship. We'd urge you to be part of a life group. And number three, we would urge you to recognize as a follower of Jesus that God has given you various uh, gifts and strengths and personality traits that he wants and needs you to use to be a blessing to your church family and to give glory to Jesus. So we'd urge you to be committed to Sundays, to join a life group, and to find a place to serve. There's places within our church family where you are needed, where in order to resume children's ministry in person, where you are needed, where in order to have more people to rotate through behind-the-scenes jobs and upfront jobs and other things that you may not even be aware of, you are needed. But it isn't just in our church family, it's finding a place, to, it could be finding a place to serve in our community, in our world, where God has made you uniquely gifted, and has a purpose for your life. And we believe that if those three things are happening, that's not the magic cure-all. I'm not saying there's not other ways in our church family to grow. I'm saying those are three ways we'd encourage you because we believe if, those things are go- if you're working toward those things, that you're going to put yourself in a place to build a life that is founded on the rock. You with me? And then I just want to say, too, that if you're already in a life group um, or if it's something you're considering, another layer of this, I already mentioned being in relationship with others within our church family as being really important. And another layer, even to take it even, even deeper, so to speak, and even find a way asking God for his help to, to found your life on the solid rock foundation of Jesus is within your life group, we would encourage you to connect in smaller groups, say of two or three or four, men meeting with men, women meeting with women. So even if your life group is 10, 12, 16, 20, perhaps an option, and we can help you with this, Pastor Ed or I would love to talk to your life group about this. How could you meet in groups of two or three men, two or three women, two or three men, two or three women, a place where we can really study the Bible together, where we can ask each other questions about our life, where we can hold each other accountable, God, I've told you before, in my time as a Christian, if I, had to look, if I had to think of one thing that God has used so much in my life and my growth, it's the times when I am committed to a group of men who know me and I know them, and they tell me the truth, and I can tell them the truth about my life. I can tell them the truth about my life. And they love me anyway. They offer me grace, but they also spur me along toward Christ. That's a place where we have opportunity as a church family in this series called Follow Me, in this week's emphasis is to build a life that's on the rock. So whether you've been a Christian for a day or 20 years, or whether you're not a Christian yet, we want to help you find and follow Jesus. We want to help you build a life on the rock. And those are some things that we'd encourage you because I think as we study our Bibles, as we hear the words of Jesus, and as we do the words of Jesus, and as we have brothers and sisters in Christ that spur us along, we will build a life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus, God's Son, the Savior of the world, may he be our rock and may our lives be built on him.
Father, we pray, thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness to us, your great love for us. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God that as rebellious and as sinful and as going astray as we have and and, and still are, God, that you come near to us through Jesus and through your spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who loves and who pursues us and who has rescued us through Christ. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that points to us having new life in you. God, I pray that as we consider what you've given us today, as we start this series and we spend this month thinking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, God, would you help us today and this week to really wrestle with how our lives are founded, what we rely on, what our lives are based on. God, would you reveal to us where we look to things that are shifting sands, and when you, would you instead spur us toward increased obedience? Would you instead spur us toward increased commitment to dig below the sands and found our lives on the solid rock of Jesus? Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.